These two men are suddenly involved and they're going to be close to the Malla Rosa. It's gone from the shoulders of Joao Almeida. It's going to pass, we think, to Wilco Kelderman. But also tailgating Hart and Jai Hindley are going. 200 metres to go. His Majesty the Stelvio still reigns supreme. What a stage it's been. And it's Gagan Hart now going to the line, but Hindley's going to try and come around him. Jai Hindley's there. Hindley in the wide on the left. This training going to the line. Jai Hindley is a stage winner on the Giro d'Italia. And it is a day we will never, ever forget as long as we G'day legends and welcome back to the Press Room Podcast presented by Zwift, our title sponsor. Episode 6, we've got a Western Australian special. That's right, Jai Hindley from Bora Hans Grower, the man, the myth, the meme legend. That is Jai and it's a great chat, a real funny casual chat. This one is just gold. If you love the ones we do with Plappy um, and those sort of crew, you're going to love this one because Jai is a cracking bloke. And I bet a lot of people will be surprised at how funny a dude he actually is. So today's episode, we talk about the expectation and the pressure um, that Jai deals with, especially coming off the back of his 2020 year and how he's sort of navigating that for this season, which he started really well with at Borahunt Grower and you know just have a look at his results this year he's been quietly building his form and he's looking really good and the best way to do that is to do it under the radar so he's doing really well and we talk about that we obviously talk about the change in teams with Borat uh, from DSM uh, we talk about a start to the season and preparing for, for big goals. And then also, there's just a lot of absolute rubbish chat in there that is gold. You know, we talk about trying to find your favorite milk, bunning snags, uh, all sorts of stuff. It's really good. So before we get into the episode, big thanks to our title sponsor, Zwift. I'm still level 28. Just takes a long time to get to the next level, but been doing a few races here or there and um, working from home sometimes, also uh, dealing with the isolation last week, or you know the rain is, is on its way. So indoor training has never been made more fun than with Zwift, and with all the workouts and, and group rides like Tour of Whitopia, it's just so easy to get on there. And in fact, today, I'm doing this in the morning, but I'm getting on after work and hopefully jumping on that, what is it, Australian Hump Day ride? That's usually on a Wednesday, so I'm going to give that a crack. Anyway, some more sponsor news coming very soon. But anyway, let's get stuck into the episode. Hop on the Ergo, ride on Zwift, and it's time for episode six, you legends. Pretty yeah. random place that way, like Warrnambool. But actually, I think it'll be a pretty sweet event if it goes ahead. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is Random. I mean, I thought they might be a bit close to Sydney because I don't know. You could take it over the bridge, or I don't know. It's pretty not a great place to ride. Yeah, yeah. Should have had it in Perth down the river, or like (laughs) in Ballarat. (laughs) (laughs) Why didn't have it in Ballarat? Like it's twenty laps running on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not even laps. You just keep going. Infinite, infinite bunny yards. Yeah, but. Hey, the, the time trial circuit, I think, is going to be cool to watch because, I mean, maybe not cool to participate in, but it's like 30 corners in the city, right. basically. So, is it, is it the same as the road circuit, like the finishing circuit? 
Uh, yeah, but yeah. with more more turns. Like I reckon, maybe in the women's. I reckon in the women's race, someone will win it on a road bike because there's that many turns. Like, yeah, it's crazy. But anyway, how are you, mate? How are you feeling? Oh yeah, not too bad. Just ticking along, same old, same old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah, surprised. Yeah. Like you got through without any bronchitis. Yeah. Ah. Like sickness going around everywhere, eh? I think like also these first few races, like oh, seemed like after Peloton was sick, you know, like COVID or regular illness or yeah, whatever. So it's just like, yeah, it's just like all about staying healthy, basically. Yeah. As more and more people were dropping out in Torino, were you? And like your teammates getting more and more careful? Uh yeah, not really. I don't I don't think it was as bad in Torino as as it was in like Paranese, like as extreme. But uh yeah, I mean anyway, you're always like pretty careful. Yeah. But um yeah, as the team, actually we didn't have that. We yeah, I think we had everyone finish, so that was cool. Yeah. Um but yeah, it is like it's very like more. I'd say it's more casual now with like COVID at races as opposed to like two years ago. You know, like mm-hmm. if you had a teammate who tested positive like upon arriving at a hotel two years ago, it would have been like, oh shit, like yeah. almost positive, almost flying back home, and you know it's like full stress. Whereas now it's like, oh yeah, old mate was positive. Oh okay, cool. Yeah. Are they getting anyone replacing? No. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's just like it's I don't know. It everyone's just growing more like accustomed to it, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And are you guys do you still share rooms now or is that still single rooms? Yeah, yeah, it's still sharing room. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh yeah <laughs> it's still pretty it's still pretty interesting you know like it it like everyone's grown used to covid but at the same time i still don't want to get it i still haven't got it actually that's good yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but i've had some pretty close shaves really like yeah really close yeah in uh in our mallorca camp i was rooming with max shackman and he was positive and he had like <gasps> symptoms and yeah oh, my, I'm, I'm pretty much in the bed like next to this guy you know because <laughs> the room is so small yeah um, and then uh yeah after a ride like one day i just didn't see him and then i'm like walking to massage and then he just he starts like facetiming me I was like, what? Why? Why is Max like based on me? And then he's like, oh man, like I just, I just had like a positive test. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm not going to massage. (laughs) I have to go back to the room and then like, yeah, pack up all my shit and then, yeah, get like a fresh room. And then luckily it was like at the end of the camp. So, yeah, it's pretty much just like isolating for like the last three days or something. Well, it is like that. Like, you know, like you said, it's much more relaxed now with the 
with how it's perceived. But yeah, like you said, you don't want to get it because if you like, if you get it before a key event or when you're right in the middle of a big training like block or something, like it can yeah. derail a whole portion of your season. And um, yeah, and you know, like you said, to a point, you can only be so careful outside of sticking yourself in some sort of bubble. Um, you know, I guess. Well, yeah, it's just kind of almost luck. You can do as much as you can, like you said. Like anyone else would get, yeah, yeah. would get oh, it's, it off. It's man. really, like, it's really like luck of the draw. Like mm. you've got just as much chance of getting it, like getting a loaf of bread. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like it's really just wrong place, wrong time. You know, it's actually, true. yeah, probably the most dangerous is when you go to a bike race. Actually, oh yeah, everyone just yeah talking because then you. Yeah, then you're just around like a lot of people all the time. But yeah, yeah part of the part of the job, man. Part of the game. I had a good joke to the the loaf um, situation. It would have been a sour dough, but anyway. Um, <laughs> and you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to edit that so I say it right after you said it. <laughs> Any, okay. Anyway, when you're um, well, I want to know where do you actually live, Jai, in Europe. Uh, in Andorra. Okay, so you're in Andorra. And are you, like, do you live close by with, like, anyone in particular that you go out training with? Uh, I'm up in Aronsau, and there's, like, yeah, there's a few guys up there. Mm. It's sort of just up the road from La Masana, which is, like, the small, like, town, pretty popular town where, yeah, there's also a lot of guys living there. Mm. And uh, what, what do you like about Andorra? Lots of mountains. How far do you have to go to get on a like a proper climb? Well, yeah, like the my front door is like on a pretty solid climb already. So you pretty much like descend straight away and then climb home every day. Oh, sick! So yeah, if you don't like climbing, then uh, don't live. Yeah, okay. And um, you just got back from Torino. Uh, good result. Talk about that in a second, but. What do you do in between races? Like, what do you sort of do with your downtime? To, to you seem like someone that would want to sort of switch off bike racing. Yeah, um, I mean, when the season's on, like it's pretty busy. Like, I haven't actually been home for like longer than a week since. Mm. Oh, when was it? Since the first race. So Shit. I did. I did these two. I did Mercia and this like new gravel race yeah. called High End. And then I was back home for a day and then I went to UAE and then I was back home for a day and then I went to Strata mm. and then, yeah, then after Strata, I went straight to Torino mm. and now I'm like, yeah, back home for six days or something before uh, Catalonia. But um, yeah, it goes quick and also you're not... Yeah, you're not like training full gas or something in between. Well, I'm I'm not training full gas in between all those races. So it's like, yeah, you really just I don't know, enjoy being like a normal person again. What's like, what is that for you? Yeah, I don't know. Like cooking, doing all your own stuff, doing all your own like laundry, I don't yeah. know, sitting yeah. on the couch, like catching up with uh yeah, family and friends and everything. Hmm. Because I mean, when you're in the when you're in the race, it's like quite hard to 
call or speak to your family like on the phone yeah. you know because of the time gap or whatever so yeah but, but yeah it's really just like playing catch up on being like a normal person i guess yeah okay. I don't know. I, personally i just like to chill out like not do a whole lot because it's you know you're you're away at these races and you're just living out of a suitcase you're moving constantly you're always like doing something you're always like around people so yeah i actually like to just come back like switch off and actually not see too many people and just like shut it down yeah you get (laughs) socialed out eh? yeah 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 it's pretty like i don't know that's just me though. It's like I just like my own space, but I also like seeing other people as well. But just yeah. you know, doses. it's it's almost like a, an opposite. I think uh, similar in, to you in that I love being around people and frothing on everyone at bike race and stuff. But then also to be like that and then have your own alone time doing sweet fa. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. So, what what was the gravel race like? That looked pretty cool, and you had a pretty decent result as well. Okay, how was it? Yeah, it was actually like really good fun. I mean, I wasn't actually meant to do those two races. Mm. Um, we had some guys getting sick. I was meant to start in UAE, and we oh, had yeah. guys getting sick. And yeah, I also had raced since. Uh, since I did my collarbone at Slovakia like last September. So I hadn't raced in a while and I knew I was like, I know for me, I really need like racing constantly to get back into the rhythm and also for the form and everything. So I was like, yeah, I had the call up to do it if I wanted to. And I was like, yeah, sounds cool. Um, but yeah, this gravel one was pretty sweet. It was like brand new race. So no one, really like knew the course you know like none of the directors knew like when to when to like make the race or whatever so it was just it was actually really like nice just to do a fresh new race yeah and yeah the gravel was also good fun like it was all uphill they're all uphill sectors so um yeah it wasn't it wasn't as like chaotic as strata you know because strata you have like downhill sectors and yeah switchbacks on on the descents yeah. and stuff this was just like much more straightforward but it was still really it was pretty hard like the mm. gravel i mean in a race it like really takes it out of you you know yeah yeah you don't get much back when you you know through your pedal stroke eh? nah. and also <laughs> you know like you're feeling quite good and then all of a sudden everything just like catches up with you because when you're on the when you're on like racing on the gravel, it's just like boxing on all the time and for yeah. good position. And, you know, you're always, you're always just like got the, the tension on the chain, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't, you can't really afford like free wheel or something. So, yeah, yeah. and gripping the, gripping the fuck out of your bars as well. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but you, it's a good comparison to Strata. Like some of those downhills at Strata Bianchi just look, insane like the the tv watching on tv they're giving us the visuals of you guys going downhill like the motos in front and it looks sketchy as as hell eh? uh it's it's really like you know i mean as you as you probably saw with that big crash like Mm. if something happens at the at the front and 
everyone else has to like jam the brakes on suddenly it's, it takes you much longer to slow down than it would on the tarmac for example yeah that that crash is pretty gnarly eh? like it was, it was weird day eh? yeah it, it was because we just came over the top of this ridge and then we we're just slightly going downhill and then as the downhill section started it was just completely open like no trees nothing and you're just on top of this like bridge and oh yeah if if actually if you're in bad position it was probably better because the crash was like right at the front yeah i was actually in terrible position luckily <laughs> like <laughs> happy about that for the first yeah. time in my life but, like i just remember coming over this like just starting the downhill and i look up and then there were just like 40 cats getting like blown oh. off the road like sideways and then and then I like hit the open section and I almost like I was at back going pretty slow and I almost got like blown over. Wow. And, oh, it was pretty crazy. Yeah. Just like full gusts of wind. Yeah. And then yeah. You can't but it was see also, Go on. Yeah. Also impressive, but like the guys that crashed, how uh they managed to get back because after that, like it was full gas. Really? who was on the front but they were just drilling at full noise yeah and down this descent and then we hit like a bit of there was just like a bit of normal road for like a k or two and then we hit this next section and that was also like really hard mm, yeah and then it i just I remember back on the right. and all these all these guys that had like yeah got blown off and like back there and i was like well yeah, I had. I think it was a few quickset guys drilling. I think for for Alaphilippe, I don't know how he got back on his bike after flipping. Yeah. You know, he's always flipping, man. Like always flipping. But I yeah. think it was like uh, um, Mikael Honore pulled a pretty decent turn. As soon as he got you guys back or got those boys back to the the group, he was just ejected like straight out the back. Um, but yeah, to come back like that was massive. But. How is it? It must be amazing steaming up that final climb to the finish. In Seattle, yeah, it's beautiful. Also, the town is like, I mean, the city is uh, stunning. Eh? Is it's it? like, it's really, really just such a nice place. Mm. Um, but it was also, it was really like the atmosphere and everything was awesome because it was uh, a bit more like normal, I would say. Like there were heaps of fans out. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, the because of COVID, the past few years, like there hasn't been so many fans, so everyone's a bit like unsure if they can yeah. go to a race to watch it or whatever. Um, but here it was just like full gas. People yeah. everywhere, like it was a few years ago. You know, yeah. it was real sweet. That's awesome. Um, who, who did you come up the climb with? Uh, I was in. Uh, can't remember actually but we yeah it was it was pretty annoying because it was like the group of four or five guys and then yeah there was like i was in this like sort of chasing group and there were guys that was like attacking off that it was really like it was really like a numbers game you know like if you had a teammate there then you you just like one two mm-hmm. um but yeah, I, I don't know. I was also not feeling super great, to be honest. Like, 
as yeah, it's a pretty pretty epic day out. Yeah, um, but yeah, like like every year, you know, Strata is just such a cool race, oh, mate. It's, like, epic. Pretty, it's, pretty it's so epic good to watch, day. eh? Yeah, it's yeah. um, I just want to fast forward it a hundred years so I'll just make it a monument already. You know, not that it ever matters. Yeah. Everyone thinks it is. So, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, um, I want to know. Uh, I want to talk about Torino, but also. I want to know, um, you seem to have started pretty well at Bora and it looks like a suture. You just look like you, you look good in that kit. looks much more you, the, um, the Bora kit. But <laughs> <laughs> how has it been changing teams? Like, is it a big exercise because you're new, like teammates, new directors, new culture? I don't know. Like, is it a big shift or is it like pretty seamless because you maybe, maybe you know people on the team already or what's it like? Ah, well, yeah. No, cheers, mate. Like, has been, I mean, after last year, like, it's been pretty nice to, to, I don't know, be in the mix again, you know. Um, but, yeah, like, the whole the whole team and the change and everything like that has actually been, like, I don't know, I guess, like, a breath of fresh air. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, it's all, it's all, it's, was always like a team that I thought looked like a pretty sweet team just from an outsider's perspective. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, actually was like being, being on the inside and doing races and stuff, having done races now with the team, it like, yeah, it's actually quite similar to what I thought it would be, mm. but it, yeah, it's really nice. It's like, it's like a really good balance of, uh, yeah, like relaxed, but also professional. Yeah. Like it's, it's just like a really nice uh, atmosphere to be in. And yeah, I've actually really enjoyed it. Like mm. all the guys, really good guys, all the staff, top notch, all the equipment, top notch. Like, yeah, it's been great. Mm. Okay. That's cool. And is it um, like I've sort of been tracking your season at the you know, as you've begun this year and I knew that you would start well only because I felt like when you moved to Bora, um, it kind of took you out of the, like, limelight, I guess, because you were moving to this team and I've already got some pretty established, like, climbers that are really good and when you go into that team, you're not going to be looked at as, you know, head honcho, um, even given your results. And then considering last year wasn't quite as good, um, was that does that make it easier for you to sort of just rock up to the team and go right now I can just crack on? There's no or not as much external pressure on me to perform, and you can just go about your business and you know get into shape how you'd like. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It wasn't really external pressure. It was more like at, at DSM. It, I never really had the feeling like oh shit, you know, I'm the leader. Things putting all this pressure on me. It was more. It was more just like my personal pressure, like my own personal expectation, you know. Yeah. And it's also the same here. Like, yeah, if you go to a race and you're leader, for sure you want to perform for the team or whatever. But I would say it's more like my own ambition, you know, my own pressure. That that's where the pressure comes from. Is Mm-hmm. Like I don't really feel it from the from the team as such. It's 
more just like I have an expectation or standard of what I think I can do. And then, mm. yeah, if you don't live up to that, then yeah, of course it's pretty disappointing. But yeah, yeah. If not, it's just bike racing. Just <laughs> so bike that's, racing. Not the <laughs> that's right. Eh? It's just riding a bike. Well, yeah. like, did you like, have you started this season? Um, like differently to last season. I mean, obviously you had a different race calendar you were in Australia last year. Um, well, maybe you weren't. I can't remember. But um, did you do anything differently compared to yeah. last year? Uh, the training compared to last year would be completely like polar opposite, I would say. Wow. So last year, yeah, last year, uh, so like at the end of 2020, start of 2021, I would say the build-up was like much more uh slower really like not much intensity early on just you know really gradual and then this year was yeah it was pretty much like you know get into it and then and then like fully just straight in and i think i'm yeah i don't know if that's uh I don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah. obviously, yeah, I like change, change coaches. Um, and yeah, I really like my, my old coach at DSM. And I, yeah, I also really like the new guy here at Bora, mm. but it's just a different uh, style. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think, I think also sort of the way that I did the off season and the, the like preseason training and that sort of stuff, I think that's more in line with like, modern day cycling because mm. now when you when you look at races if yeah if you're not if you're not in really good shape at every race like you're just getting left in the dust yeah or yeah. even if you're like at 98 percent at a race you're just getting smoked yeah <laughs> like because yeah, there'll be someone rocking up in tip-top shape or more than one person and you know i had this conversation with marco and i, I don't think i really he, he still answered it well but i uh, Marco, how am I saying? Um, yeah, yeah. I didn't quite answer, ask the question how I would have liked, but I'd like to hear like your specific perspective. It sounded like you kind of said that, but it seems like it's better these days, or it seems like it's a better move these days to start the season off in form as opposed to maybe like your 2020 season where you, you're sort of slowly building up to this form peak and, you, you know, yes, okay, you yeah. might get maybe you get to a higher peak maybe but then it takes so long and you leave yourself vulnerable to no results maybe lack of confidence and then also getting sick getting injured then you don't even get your form then you gotta start again versus you know starting the season pretty much full noise and you start well you get results positive feedback loop you're feeling good maybe your peak isn't as high but you can kind of top it up what do you think yeah yeah i mean pretty much that like uh, last year, I really had the feeling with this like slow build-up that I was just always on the back foot and mm. I was always playing catch-up. And, yeah, I also just had all this shit luck, you know. I had illness after illness, had injuries, had mm. all this shit going on. And then, yeah, you, you've got all this going on and then you're still playing catch-up and then in the end, you would... I was just never really like competitive. I was never like, I never felt that I was really like at my best 
uh, last year or I never managed to do it in a race or do something in a race, you know, because yeah, I was yeah. just always on the back foot. Whereas like, like I was saying, with sort of like modern day cycling, you got to go in every race, like guns blazing. <laughs> and I think that that's more like the approach I'm trying this year is like start in pretty good form. And then, yeah, for me, I, the more racing I do, like the better yeah. my form gets sort of thing. Mm. So I think, yeah, get some racing in. I've actually got like a pretty solid block before the Giro of racing. Uh, but then just really like juggle the, the load or like mm. manage the load. I think the balance like in between all the races is like crucial. Because I've also done that in the past where I, you know, I come back from a grand tour, I'm like feeling pretty decent on the bike. And then you just want to go out and ride like hard all day in training because you can. Yeah. But actually, it's probably like the worst thing you can do. Yeah. Because then, well, not the worst thing you can do, but, you know, it, it's like a very fine line of like tipping it over. And then once it's, yeah. once it's like past the point, then it's really hard to come back. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. That's almost yeah. like you got to train, like your races are like you know keeping in, in in good shape, and then when you've got those five six days off between races, you're maybe not doing as yeah. much. You know, yeah. resting. Like when you said when you said like what are you up to, and I'm like yeah I'm on the couch mate. Like <laughs> I wasn't like <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah. Well, that's that's good, man. We you. You've had a good start for the year, and then Torino was um, awesome. Awesome to see up there with, um, you know, with everyone popping off, and cool to see Richie up there as well. And I, I wondered with you guys, you know, you came in together a few times, and you were climbing with each other in that front group. Do you like talk to each other out there, you and Rich, or is it, you know, uh, oh, not so much. Like, not so much when the race is on. Well, like yeah. if I see him and you know, got like 100k to go, then I might have a yarn or something. But yeah, when you're going up like a, <laughs> not a big, you, you gotta make like you gotta make wise oxygen choices, you know, like <laughs> hey, Richie, mate, how your legs? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, do you look up like, do you look out for him in the race? Like, or you know, say, I don't know, like you've hit the climb or something, like if you saw Richie coming back trying to get in the line. You, you let him in maybe more times often than someone else. I don't know. That's what I was wondering. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's also a good rider. Like, fuck yeah. If if he wasn't a good rider, then maybe not. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if you know he's in good form and you know he's going to like hold the wheel or whatever, then yeah, definitely. Mm. Um, but yeah, it is. It is just really cool, actually, to see like other Aussie guys when you're at a race. I, yeah. know, I always like if I see another, if I look at the start list and I see a whole bunch of Aussie guys in the same race, and it's pretty cool. And mm. yeah, I always try make an effort to chat with them if I see them if I'm like next to them in the peloton or something, you know. Hey legends, I hope you're enjoying the episode with Jai Hindley so far. What a sick episode this is and you get a great feel for what Jai is like off the bike and he's just a champion. So if you're enjoying this one, leave me a review uh, or a rating on Spotify and Apple makes a big difference to the podcast. But... 
The reason why I'm talking right now is because of you guys are the true fans listening day in, day out, and you get the special news up front. Now, I'm making this announcement next week, but you guys will get to find out right now that for the remainder of the year and hopefully moving on to 2023, 2024, a long-term partnership we are creating with Smith Optics, the eyewear and helmet brand based out of Europe. They're now making big waves in Australia and you would have noticed that they are the eyewear brand of AG2R. So Ben O'Connor, Greg Van Avermaet, Benoit Cosnefoire, but of course Ben O'Connor, their leader. He is now the out-and-out climbing leader in their team and he's got more Tour de France stage wins and Grand Tour wins in him and he's doing it in these six sunnies called Smith or Smith Optics and they are partnering with the Press Room Podcast. So what does that mean? Well, obviously... If you listen to the pod all the time, you'll know I bang on about sunglasses all the time. And it's because I love them. And one day I'll put up a video on the Instagram. I'll show the collection that I've got, which is just ridiculous. It's not Tom Pidcock levels, but hey, he gets flung sunglasses left, right and center. But it's still pretty good. So what does it mean for the pod? Obviously more support. Um, you know, more backing behind the pod, help me increase the reach and just help me grow it more. But what does it mean for you guys? Well... Smith, they'll be handing me plenty of gear to be giving out on different competitions and giveaways and all that sort of stuff. I have sunglasses and helmets literally to give to you guys. Now, I think what I'll do is I'll do these in the Zwift group rides. So the Press Room Pello, the Zwift group ride, March 30th, well, it's actually this week, March 30th, every Wednesday we're going to be riding. So we can do some competitions um, in those rides and I'll think some cool ideas. And we'll also do some Instacomps as well. So massive thanks to Smith and I'm sure we'll work out a little discount for everyone as well uh, if you want to get on board and get some of these six sunglasses that I'll be telling you all about as we go through Seasons 2 and Seasons 3. Okay, legends, let's get back to Jai because I tell you what, oh, the second half of this podcast is just, it's its gold. Anyway, thanks for listening, guys. Back to the pod. How was the, like, what did you think of the racing, like in the finales of, of the, the sort of hillier stages, especially like the last one? Like... Mm. What do you? What's going through your head when you're in that final group of five or six, and you know, say someone like Pagacar's there, and in those moments, do you have time to like? Can you compose your thoughts and sort of think? Right, you know, do you have like a plan in those in those final stages, or are you just trying to just see how far your legs will get you in a, in a mount top finish? Yeah, like that? bit of both, I think. Actually, for me, when the better I am, the more. I would think. And then if you're, you know, if you're really just there on the limit, then you sort of just like put it on autopilot and I'd sort of just go off instinct. But yeah, when you, when, for me, when I'm in like really good form, then I really like think about everything more because you can, (laughs) but when you're just like suffering on the wheel, yeah, there's not like a whole lot like going through your head apart from just holding the wheel, I would Mm -hmm. say. Okay. And what, it looked pretty fucking cold there. How cold was it? What was the temperature? Yeah, yeah. It was pretty fresh. Like, uh, I don't know numbers-wise, but that Carpena stage was pretty chilly. Like, it was full, It was just like snow, snow. full snow yeah. at the top. What did you have um, on when you started? 
Jersey Knicks. What? Really? No, no, Jersey Knicks are warmer. But yeah, the thing is you're you're doing like you're doing a 20 minute effort, basically. And it doesn't matter what what the temperature is, you're you're gonna be like you're gonna be pretty warm. Cooking, yeah. Like of course the descent was pretty chilly, but yeah. We did the descent and then we're straight back on the climb seat. And like I was saying, when, yeah, when I'm like suffering, I'm not thinking about anything else apart from like holding the wheel. So you're not, you're not like thinking about, oh shit, I'm cold. <laughs> like you're thinking, man, I've got to hold this wheel on the descent. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. I'm hot. Okay. All right. Did you start with the jersey and knicks? No, no. I, was start, I started with like, I was starting every day with like, Jersey Knicks arm warmers and then long sleeve over the top. But it actually wasn't I would say it wasn't too bad. But there if you if you're not like in the race and you're just riding up the climb, then for sure it's cold. Like there then you really have to get like a jacket from the car, long finger gloves, everything. Mm. And after the finish, it was freezing. Like Mm. we also had to ride back downhill to the bus. So (laughs) yeah, there you need like proper properly rug up yeah yeah that's a good point so i don't think many people think about that but um, yeah like when yeah when when you're racing full gas and the adrenaline's going and you're mm-hmm. like doing an all-out effort you're not you don't have time to think how cold it is yeah so yeah okay fair enough and so you got what do you got catalonia next next week i think yeah and catalonia then... starting on the 21st Sick. and then I actually go uh, straight up to altitude after that for like two and a half weeks in Sierra Nevada, down the south of Spain. Yeah. And then, yeah, then I think I've a few days after Sierra, I do flesh and then I do Liège also. And then, and then the Giro. Nice. That's a good little step up. Geez, Liège. Have you raced that before? Yeah, never done the Ardennes, so I'm pretty pretty keen. Wow, yeah. I, I, Only under 23, layers, but a bit different. Guess so. The riders are the same. Yeah. <laughs> so riders. Um, yeah, that's uh, Liège sounds like, like in your warehouse big time. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I don't know. It'd be, uh, yeah, like it's well, a monument. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It'd also be a bit interesting to see how it is like after the altitude camp but yeah hopefully it should be cool i'm also really looking looking forward to catalonia as well yeah um because yeah it's like a bit of a home race and there's also no time trial so should be cool perfect no tt yeah (laughs) that's great but what's like the altitude, have you done, you've done camps like that before? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Camps. So yeah. is it, like, what's the biggest benefit you, what, what do you feel after, you know, in the couple of weeks after altitude? Like, is it an immediate sort of boost in, in fitness or, like, what's the feeling? Do you actually feel any different or you just go, oh, you just go a bit faster? Yeah, for me personally, it's massive. Like, wow. Some guys might not notice like a big difference, but for me, it's huge. It's a massive benefit. And I really feel like, yeah, if I do 
if I do a camp properly, like I train properly and manage the load and everything like that and diet is great, everything, then yeah, really like come out pretty well normally. What's the hardest part about the um, training camps, like outside of the training, like you said, managing the load, nutrition and stuff like that, are those really things you got to focus on in those camps? Not really. Yeah, I think just not overdoing it. I've done it in the past, but I've really just overdone an altitude camp. And then you really, you just like digging yourself into a hole, <laughs> you know, it, it's a bit like what I was saying in between the races. If you overdo it in between, then you, you go over the edge and then it's really hard to uh, come back from that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, with altitude, I mean, when you, when, yeah, when you go up to altitude, anyway, your body is like under a lot of stress. Doing nothing, right? Yeah, just, you know, wiping your ass. Like, so, <laughs> yeah. So, like, yeah, you really, you really have to be uh, in tune with your body and like listen to your body more than anything, I would say. Mm, okay. Because, uh, you know, if, you, if you're absolutely smashed and then you've got like a six hour day and you're like, you, you know, you yeah. buckle just walking back to your room from brekkie, then yeah, yeah. <laughs> then it's like <laughs> these, <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah, yeah, that's not a good sign. When you go to the altitude camps, like I hear heaps of people, like other cyclists have told me, like, you know, they can be pretty boring when you're off the bike because there's not a lot to do there because they're remote. Is there anything, mm. do you take anything with you to help pass the time when you're off the bike or? Yeah, I mean, I always take, like, stuff to make a good coffee. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. There must uh, be, like, 20 coffee machines there. Everyone brings one. Or does everyone just rely on everyone else to bring one? Or is uh, it personal only? Yeah. I, I don't know. Not a lot of that, like, not many guys in the new team, like, take a lot of coffee stuff, actually. Interesting. So what's your setup? What do you bring? Uh, I just have like this mini, uh, like a mini kettle, just like a hand grinder, uh, beans, beans, and I, yeah, cup, and then just like it's, it's like a mini like pour over setup. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, gets the job done. Yeah, very good. <laughs> pour over is good. That's commitment. That's uh, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a cool. Yeah. We, we were talking with um with Plappy about it last uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he said. Yeah, you know, it's just the process that's enjoyable about the coffee. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's just like something extra to do, and you can do it every day, and you also get like a decent brew, because yeah. normally at these hotels, like the brew is pretty trash. When forty three or <laughs> yeah, always. <laughs> <laughs> just the little sachets, those shitty sachets. Yeah, yeah, loop for it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. We yeah. didn't touch that with the stick. Yeah. Um, that's, that's cool. But yeah, apart from that, back to like in between, you know, what you do in between training, it's really, yeah, if you're training hard, then you're really not doing a whole lot, to be yeah. honest. Mm-hmm. Like you've got a lot of time. Actually, yeah, always like have a book on the go or something like that. Mm. Or, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. You've got a lot of time to kill, but it also sometimes it goes really fast because you just, you know, if you're doing six hour days, 
then you wake up, you have breakfast, six hours, takes up a big chunk of the day, you come back, you have lunch, maybe massage if there's a swanny there, and then mm-hmm. before you know it, you have dinner, and then, yeah, you're, you're a shell after dinner, and then you, you know, and then yeah. you go to bed, and then do the same thing, like, the next day, like. Yeah, sounds yeah. sounds like my weekend, mate. I'm not really much of a training camp man, but, you know, the bunchies <laughs> in the morning, and then. I get home and I'm I'm supposed to I've got to mount a TV on the wall and just yeah. didn't quite get to it, you know. I gotta have lunch and um next you have three hours to fall asleep and you know that's yeah. <laughs> I feel I love, you mate. I feel your pain, mate. Look at this, look at this beauty. I've got it up on the wall now, mate. That was sitting on that, yeah, on that little table it was on there and the legs i might shit you not one millimeter either side of that table the table was the tv was on it i don't know how it stayed on for so long but um anyway yeah so well you're doing the hard yards recovering just think about old jethro here mounting his tvs that was a war with (laughs) i've got two more this weekend i'm gonna put in my zwift room so um you know rest, rest in peace uh, me after Bunchy and speaking of Bunchy Jai you know for the listeners out there Jai is also from Perth WA if you don't know the mighty Western Australian and we were even from like I met you a little bit later I think only once on the bike but we're from the same club Northern Beaches and then you went to Midland also a member of the club but in Perth everyone there's this bunch ride down where I used to live, called the Arena Ride. And that's where I met Jai. And Jai was, you were back for maybe summer one year um, to see your family and um, being a local, came on the on the ride. And, um, yeah, everyone just, everyone, uh, who was your friend that came with you from Yumbo? Uh, oh, Lenny Hofstetter was there, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because his dad lived in Merriwa or something no, like that. No, his, his, uh, one of his uncles. <laughs> that's also that's also a trip because yeah his dutch uncle lived like happened to live like oh, less than 5k from my parents place small one eh? that is and he was staying at his he was staying at his uncle's place so like yeah, yeah. we did a few rides and stuff yeah but small world yeah that's cool way eh? it's cool and you know this this ride uh deborah they won't know anything about this ride but it's just a local bunchy and and it was pretty cool when you turn up to the ride and like there's two guys you know riding the world tour and some other people are there that you know everyone thinks they're pretty fast it gets everyone up and about and i think to this day the kom and old ganchet road mate still stands from that day <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it's uh, just gold but i remember you joy because we might have been riding like next to each other and i was thinking oh fuck you know what am i gonna say you know the legs a bit tired today you know some bullshit but you were really you were really friendly and um you know hey it's cool yeah i don't get that in the race (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah um okay so to perth mate to perth when you come back to perth obviously you couldn't come back this year just too hard uh, with all the restrictions and all that sort of stuff but i'm sure in the future you'll come back uh, see family and stuff of course but i wanted to know when you come back to perth what's the first thing you're doing outside you've seen your family and all that sort of stuff what's the first thing you do after you've gotten in and settled yeah 
probably go to Bunnings for a snag. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Everyone listing's like, what is Bunnings and what is a snag? That's oh, cool. man. It's just all the small things, you know, like, yeah. because, yeah, Europe, it doesn't, it's still a very, like, Western culture, but, like, I don't know, no places like Oz or, yeah. like, Perth, you know. Yeah. It's just, going like, going into Woolies, I, I tell my girlfriend this all the time, you know, because, like, yeah, Euro, Euro supermarkets, like, especially in Andorra or, like, Spain, like, not not every supermarket has like a mad selection of everything you want and a lot of the time you have to go to like three different supermarkets if you're making you know if i'm making a curry or something i've got to go to like three different supermarkets to get like all the right ingredients or like the right stuff whereas like in oz you just go into woolies and you come out with everything and it's like sweet yeah one stop shop yeah, and that that sort of shit. Like, it's like real small. But for me, I just like love it. You know, like going into Woolies, there's like twenty different peanut butters. You yeah, know? good peanut butters, or you know, there's like a whole wall of like good milk or something. Like, mm-hmm. if you want to find good milk in Europe, like you really have to know. I mean, depends on the country, of course, but you really have to know like what supermarket has like the best milk. Whereas in Oz, you just it, all the milk's good it's wow. just like just all this small shit which is like yeah yeah i don't know it's really like insignificant but then yeah it's, it's also weird just talking about milk but like <laughs> <laughs> like the own comforts i i see yeah. i mean i didn't know that so i just i have a coles 100 maybe 150 meters outside my door so it's very easy i can go in there and get some nutter butter yeah, you're and li- um, living in living in luxury i'll tell you i know mate and and the bunnings too so this bunnings doesn't do the sausage sizzle it's a small one in victoria park so Uh, yeah so on the people that don't know the bunnings is a hardware store they're massive they're huge and on sundays it's the tradition it's like a fundraising event where people community groups netball clubs cricket clubs my cricket club's done it a few times cycling clubs raise money selling sausages in a bun or with some bread which is you know, and there's onions involved and <laughs> you just you just can't replicate that it has to be at bunnings like you can't you can't do this anywhere else it would never be as good i don't know what it is it'd just be a barbecue mate just a, a barbecue yeah like the worst quality sausages the worst quality bread <laughs> together and it just works it just works oh that's so funny mate it is though it's a bloody that, like we yeah actually um so when my dad had the team back in the day like we used to do quite a lot of like bunning sausages i think like every few weeks or something yeah. um but yeah it's they're just, great they're just, great fundraisers man because i did some with uh, the, the state team a few years ago and if you get a big bunnings on a sunday you can make like maybe fifteen to two thousand dollars profit which is for yeah. a small team like that, that could be a trip to nationals, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you're like, yeah, you know all about it. Um, yeah. Um, okay. I've got, um, yeah, that covered my last question. Okay. What about this? Have you got, you might have one in the gun. Um, 
um, maybe when I hit you up about that article years ago, I'm still in the process of writing that. Um, have you got a story for us? <laughs> have you got a story for us or just something you can remember about, you know, when you first moved to Europe, say, um, maybe when you first moved to Italy, do you have like a story that maybe describes how difficult yeah, that was? I could probably write like two books and make a documentary about it, honestly. But Netflix. yeah, a good one that comes to mind is probably probably uh, first going to Italy in 2015. So I was the first year under 23. I didn't have a team at all. I'd gone to I'd gone to Worlds Junior Worlds the year before and. Yeah, I was like getting in touch with all teams and stuff. The Aussie under 23 team, all these like big development teams, like nothing. I was sending messages, sending emails, whatever, just putting my name out there. No responses, like nothing. Um, and yeah, it's, it's sort of a long story, but uh, me, my dad and a guy called Steve Peterson, who's also from Perth. He, my dad and Steve sort of had like, uh, my dad, they were like sort of running GDT, which was like my dad's team back in the day. Um, and we were sort of like sending emails and stuff to the Italian Cycling Federation, just like full gas, sending emails like all the time, looking for a team um and yeah it was actually quite late but this one team got back and they were like yeah we'll take you on board i had like no idea where this team was what the team was who was running the team like nothing no idea you know um and they were like yeah we'll take you on board um you can race for the team for the whole season and i was like sweet and they said we'll pay for the ticket to Europe and you pay for the ticket home. Uh, we'll have like a team bike here for you, all the kit, all that will be sorted. And I was like, sweet. They sent through the ticket. Um, and yeah, this was pretty massive, you know, cause my, my mum and dad, like they've been paying for everything up to this point, like bikes, kit, travel, like traveling out of Perth is a pain in the ass. You have to, it's like the most isolated city in the world. So you have to travel everywhere. You have to fly mm. everywhere. It's super mm. expensive. So the fact that this team is paying for a, like European flight is pretty, it's a big deal. So anyway, um, I fly, I have all these issues on the flight as well. You know, there was like a fire in Rome airport. So I had to stay the night in Qatar. It was, it was an epic travel day. Like it was like a full day and a half of just travel. You know, it was yeah. just crazy. Anyway, the team that I'm that I'd signed up for was based in Pescara, which is like two hours across from Rome oh. on the other coast. Right. And yeah, I'd never heard of the place before. Um, so anyway, I fly into Rome and then I have to fly from Rome to Pescara. And this is like, I think I had to wait like 10 hours or something after the, I had to wait like 10 hours in the airport or something. Oh my God. And in the end, I like, I arrive at Pescara airport at like 
12, like midnight, right? <laughs> and I have no idea like who's picking me up, like where I'm going, who to look out for, nothing, like no idea. I'm going in completely blind. And I get my bag, I like <laughs> walk out of the airport and then, yeah, the team owner and the one of the guys dads of the team who was like a manager basically they're like waiting at the arrivals with like one of the guys had like an aran the team was called aran kachina it was like a kitchen company in yeah. italy they sponsored it um one of them had like a aran jumper on and i was like well i guess these are the guys yeah went up to him uh you know i didn't really speak any italian like i studied it like when i was in primary school yeah so i knew like colors numbers like hello goodbye like just the general like shit but nothing yeah useful yeah and i pretty much got to these guys i'm like ciao they're like start spouting off in italian i have no <laughs> idea what they're saying obviously and then uh i'm like all right sweet let's go throw the bag in the car i have no idea like where i'm going to be living or anything like this you know, like, no, no idea. Yeah. So turns out that I was going to be living with the team owner who was like 70 years old oh. and was like, you know, proper like Italian geezer, like oh. real, like iconic bloke, you know. <laughs> He's called Umberto. Yeah. And I go back to his place. He shows me the like spare bedroom. And, I'm, and then that was it. I was there for like six months. But wow. the next, the next morning, it was like seven a.m. or something. I get like a knock on the door like this. Um, I was rough, you know, just like yeah. super jagged, super tired. Open the door, Umberto's there with like a bag, and like it's full of kit. And he gives me the bag, and I'm like, oh, sweet, nice. And then I go to go back to bed, you know, and he's like, like come on, we're going to a race. And it was like Saturday morning. And I was like, bro, I'm not racing. I'm not racing. I'll just, just travel for like two days. And he's like, no, nah, we're going to a race now. Like get your stuff. And I was like, bro. And, but yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't argue because I couldn't yeah. speak the language. Yeah. So jump in the car. We drive into the town. I meet all like new teammates and stuff. They're all there, like ready to go racing. And then, luckily for me, like one of the guys in the team spoke really good English. Like, yeah, right. Really, really decent English. All the other guys like didn't really speak it. Like some guys a bit, but this one guy spoke really decent English. And he was like doing a lot of translating for me, and he was saying. Like, yeah, he wants you to race today. We, we have like a one-day race on Saturday and a one-day race on Sunday. Oh. And I was like, this is this is like in the car driving to the race. And I'm like, I'm not racing today. I can't. I can't. I'm, like, I'm fucked. And he's like, no, nah, you got to race. And then we just had this massive argument all like via this one guy. Who oh, he's English. the middleman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then in the end, I like really put my foot down. I was getting pretty aggressive and I was like, nah, I'll race tomorrow, but I'm not racing today. And then Umberto was like, it's fine. You're racing tomorrow. Wow. That's and then, mental. 
yeah, yeah. And then like that, that was pretty much it. Then every weekend from that point, I pretty much did like a one day race on Saturday, one day race on the Sunday for like six months. All right. Mate, I can't believe you stood up to him when you rocked up. Like that's pretty <laughs> yeah, cool. Like I was saying, I was pretty tired. Normally I would just like roll with the punches, but yeah. yeah. Wow, uh, mate. Well, I reckon they, they were all like, yeah, they were all a bit like, whoa. Like he's, this this new guy's like already like having a big fight with uh, yeah. the team boss. But yeah, it was pretty funny. I reckon but in the end, respect, mate, from that. Yeah, maybe. But in the end, he was like, this Umberto guy is like, yeah, great bloke. Yeah. Like, Have you, you seen know what I mean? Uh, actually, I normally try seeing like if I do the Giro and we pass a Bruzzo, that's like the region, yeah. Then he usually comes to like the race hotel or oh, cool, or I see him on the side of the road or something. But he's like a legend, honestly. Yeah. All the all the Italian amateurs, like everyone knows him. He's, really? been, he's, yeah, he's had a team for like 40 years or something. Wow, so, so he's, cool. he's like a he's like a bit of an icon. Yeah, um, but yeah, for me it was it was like life changing the whole the whole yeah. experience, you know. Deep end, yeah. man. Like you're straight, literally. That is deep end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty much like sink or swim type shit. Yeah, but uh, it was yeah, like it was pretty. It was pretty tough, but I mean. At the time, I I didn't really care. Like it was, yeah, it was like living the dream for me. Like I was in Italy doing all these cool races. Like mm. it was sweet. Yeah, so. that's sick, mate. Wicked. Yeah. Um, man, thanks so much for coming on. That was awesome. It's good yeah, to talk no, to you. No, yeah, yeah. No, it's good to have you on, man. Yeah, yeah. Bit of Perth action. It's um. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool though isn't it like i was talking with zach this week and i was yeah. like man it's just so cool it's like perth is because he's back over there taking you know shooting pictures oh. we've seen him and like yeah, yeah it's also so yeah because i haven't been back home in like two years yeah and I, I haven't seen zach in two years and then yeah. he was at um torino yeah amazing like, eh? for him yeah. to come back as well because he obviously couldn't get yeah, out there yeah. for ages and now he's straight back in it and, and you guys are there together like yeah it's cool yeah. all right man yeah. well um good luck for the next few days and, and catalonia and um yeah um yeah. keep in touch as well keep chewing away and and um yeah, yeah we'll see how you go the rest of the season nah thanks man. All right, legends, that's another episode of the Press Room Podcast done and dusted. Huge thank you to Jai Hingley for coming on the podcast. What an absolute legend. And that's what he's like all the time. He's just a down-to-earth, cruisy dude, but he knows what's required to be a professional cyclist. It's a lifestyle, he tells me, and it's not just a job or riding your bike. It's more than that. So, you know, Jai's just a top bloke and he gets it. So I hope you enjoyed that episode and also... 
How about the new partnership with Smith Optics? So good. And of course, our title sponsor, Zwift. I'm actually about to get on Zwift now and um, jump on a bunchy and hopefully get a little sprint or get the sprint jersey. I don't know. I'm going to have to warm my legs up now somehow. But thanks again, as always, for listening. You guys are champions. And we're going to be back next week for another episode of the Press Room Podcast. I'll see you then.